BC's COVID curve starts creeping up. Many of these new cases are people in their 20s and 30s. The caution from Dr. Henry. I don't want COVID to steal our summer. And a new outbreak at St. Paul's NICU. Plus, COVID learning curve. How do we reduce that anxiety of not only starting high school, but starting high school in a pandemic? Abbotsford's plan to reinvent the school schedule. Could it be a blueprint for the province? And a trip to the dentist leaves a bitter taste for a Fraser Valley family. I don't think preying on special needs families is fair. The unexpected fee they say was just a kick in the teeth. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with a strong message from BC's provincial health officer as the number of COVID-19 cases connected to private parties in Kelowna balloons. 35 people are now linked to those exposures and Dr. Bonnie Henry is now asking young people to socialize safely. This as provincial numbers climb. 28 new cases of the virus have been confirmed in the past 24 hours. That's the highest daily total we've seen in more than two months. Some good news, there have been no new deaths. There are 18 people in hospital and two in the ICU. 2,802 people confirmed to have the virus have now fully recovered and there are 207 active cases in BC. All right, let's bring in our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry for more on this. Keith, today's update from Dr. Bonnie Henry wasn't actually scheduled. No, she's stopped having Friday uh, briefings for some time now, but uh, it all changed when the, ca- uh, the colonial numbers came in this morning. You recall it started out with eight cases last Friday, 27 yesterday. Today the numbers arrived, 35 as you mentioned, and that prompted Dr. Bonnie Henry to feel that she had to have a briefing today to use it as a platform to send a message to young people not to go to parties in great numbers, don't go out with, with strangers in those situations, use social media to send a message to others to follow the rules. And she's come up with a new catchphrase, don't let COVID steal our summer. Here's Dr. Henry. Use your influence to share a message with your friends, with your connections around the province. And that message is to make sure that we don't let COVID steal our summer, that we can socialize and we need to socialize safely. Or as I say, we need to play safe and stay safe. Always know who you're with when you're out. Take steps to protect each other so you can spread kindness and joy and not the virus. And Keith, as you've been saying, and Dr. Henry said today, we're just going to see more cases uh, mm-hmm. stemming from those Canada Day parties. We're also learning now, Keith, uh, more about who some of those people are. Yes, uh, now, just late word today, six uh, uh, staffers, employees at Kelowna General Hospital are among the 35. It doesn't mean there's an outbreak in the hospital or anything like that. Patient's uh, safety is not in jeopardy here. But as an example of what can happen in a community when people gather in those types of numbers, and in this case, younger people in their 20s and 30s at those two resorts around the Canada Day long weekend, about 100 people right now are being contact traced by Bonnie Henry's staff, and the more positive cases are undoubtedly going to show up, uh, probably in the neighbourhood of at least 10 to even more than that in the the days ahead. So again, the message from Dr. Bonnie Henry, very strong to young people. Don't gather in parties indoors these days and don't gather in large groups, particularly with people you don't know. All right, thanks for that, Keith. Dr. Bonnie Henry also confirmed today that one infant has tested positive for COVID-19 at the neonatal intensive care unit at St. Paul's Hospital. Let's bring in our Paul Johnson for more on that. Paul is at the hospital this evening. And the NICU, uh, Paul, is designed to protect the youngest babies. 
Yeah, that's right, Sophie. The neonative intensive care unit is basically a special ward for newborns that need observation or special care. We learned yesterday that there had been an outbreak here this afternoon. We got some more details. We've learned this is a small outbreak, less than 10 people, but it has infected one baby, though they're telling us this baby is not showing any sign of illness at this point. Now, the ward has been shut down and they have since set up a new satellite ward where they've moved those babies so they'll continue to get the, the care that they need. So an outbreak of COVID-19 at a special ward like this for newborns sounds very alarming. It is serious. But one of the peculiarities that we've learned this COVID-19 virus has is that while it can be very dangerous for older people, it does not tend to trigger severe illness in babies. While there have been some cases of severe illness in babies internationally, we haven't actually seen any so far in Canada. They don't expect that to change here. Here's Dr. Henry. Some um, neonates, some infants, um, can have more severe illness. There's not been any severe illness in infants in BC or in Canada that we're aware of. And most um, young children, even infants, even infants in the intensive care unit, do very well with this. Um, there's no infant in the NICU at, at St. Paul's right now who um, has a, a severe illness or worrisome illness at all. So that's good news, but we'll obviously be watching very carefully. So the question, how did this virus get into a ward like this here at St. Paul's Hospital? So far, they don't know the answer to that question, but right now they're doing a comprehensive contact tracing operation to try to trace the line of infection. One thing we do know that was happening here, Sophie, is there had not been a rule that visitors, parents, had to wear masks when they were visiting their babies. Probably owing to the interaction between parents and newborn babies, they are changing that rule. One other thing that's come up as a result of this, there had been a concern that maybe pregnant women out across British Columbia are concerned and fearful of coming into hospitals or medical facility to get prenatal care because they're worried about being exposed. The medical professionals right now are saying, don't worry about that. It's safe for pregnant women to come in. Don't cancel your appointments. Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Paul Johnson outside St. Paul's Hospital for us. Now to BC's other public health emergency, the overdose crisis and a small community that's been hit hard. The Cowichan Valley will be the site for a pilot project to provide free pharmaceutical-grade opioids to people at risk of overdose. Nadia Stewart reports. This vacant building will soon be the home of a new wellness and recovery center, one many say is desperately needed in the Cowichan Valley, where the opioid crisis is claiming lives at an alarming rate. It doesn't matter where they go to buy their drugs, it's deadly. Cowichan Tribes Chief William Seymour says the crisis is hitting his people particularly hard. Just this week, it's believed a drug overdose claimed the life of a 14-year-old girl. Cowichan Tribes members say they're losing loved ones. My relatives that are on the hard stuff, on meth, and they're not on meth, they're on that coke, and if it's not coke, it's the stronger stuff. I got two grandkids out on the street. I'm trying hard to talk to them, to help them any way I can. Four funerals, four in four weeks. My fight isn't with those that already need the help. My fight is with people who are deliberately selling for profit. 
Despite the efforts to rid the community of drug dealers, the problem persists. I will continue to support the call from the National Police Chiefs last week that we decriminalize personal use of opioids. Along with the new facility in Cowichan Valley comes a four-year, $2 million pilot project where a safe supply of hydromorphone tablets will be given to 25 patients. I don't want people to step away from this and, and, and conclude that the opioid crisis is not founded on a criminal element, because it is. But if you're addicted, you're not a criminal. You're someone who needs help. There are some reservations over whether or not the safe supply will work. I don't want to go in there encouraging my community members to continue using. But if they have a safe site to do it, and they have counselors there that they can talk to, at least that starts to give them options of getting away from drugs. The new wellness and recovery center is set to open in the fall. Nadia Stewart, Global News. The ugly trend of hate crimes continues to be on the rise in Vancouver. Police say they have identified dozens of hate-related reports this year, many targeting people of Asian heritage. Sarah McDonald has the details and a look at the impact on the Asian-Canadian community. As the COVID-19 case count continues to rise across the province, so too does the disturbing side effect in its most populous city. The most markedly increase is definitely the Asian community. Vancouver police once again sounding the alarm Friday on a spike in potentially hate-related and racially motivated crimes, in particular targeting complainants of Asian heritage, like Gladys Lamb's family, a memorial bench for her late mother, defaced with racist graffiti. It's basically F China, with, you can feel in the four-letter word, uh, right on the bench. Lamb's case is one of 155 hate-associated incidents documented by Vancouver police in the past six months alone. A more than two-fold increase from less than 70 in the same time frame last year. In 16 cases, arrests have been made and charges recommended, but none yet approved. That includes this incident involving the assault of a 92-year-old victim. Officer presence has now been increased in the city's downtown core, the downtown east side and surrounding neighborhoods where the large majority of these cases have been reported. Investigators acknowledge in some cases it quickly becomes apparent that mental illness is a factor. There is an element in, in many of these or some of these of uh, mental health and uh, rather than straight uh, racism. But in more than 100 cases, including this one, investigators have been unable to identify any offenders. The suspect captured on camera here, assaulting a minor, still at large. It, it's happening more and more and, and it's uncalled for. In a rare move, a special task force has been struck to investigate the skyrocketing number of hate-related crimes. Investigators urging anyone who feels they may be a victim of one to report it. Sarah McDonald, Global News. A man is facing sex charges in Surrey in connection to a modeling agency scheme. RCMP say they received numerous reports from females, both young adults and youths, who met up with a man posing as an agent and were then assaulted. 40-year-old Kashif Ramzan is charged with two counts of sexual assault, one count of sexual interference, one count of invitation to sexual touching, and one count of forcible confinement. Surrey RCMP say there may be more victims, and anyone with information is asked to come forward. 
The Vancouver Pride Society is threatening to ban the B.C. Liberals from participating in Pride events. The move comes after the B.C. Liberals were criticized for ads placed in a Christian magazine that contains homophobic content. Two weeks ago, Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson announced the party would no longer advertise in the publication. But one of its members, Chilliwack Kent MLA, Lori Thronas, has not complied with that order. And the Pride Society is now calling for him to be removed from caucus. Uh, by Monday, we need to have it solidified. And so we've let um, the BC Liberal Party know that by Monday, we need to see action in place by the party and by leadership around MLA Thronus. Earlier this month, the society announced all law enforcement will be banned from the parade and festivals due to COVID-19. This year's Pride festivities will be celebrated virtually during the week of August 2nd. The RCMP Major Crime Section is investigating after human remains were found in a wooded area near UBC. The discovery was made Wednesday near Southwest Marine Drive and Westbrook Mall in the University Endowment Lands. RCMP aren't releasing many details, only that they found the decomposed body of a male and the public is not believed to be at risk. The BC coroner is working to determine the cause of death and anyone with information is asked to contact police. The discovery of human remains in Burnaby is also under investigation. They were found yesterday in the 8300 block of Forest Grove Drive. The BC Coroner Service says it's early in the investigation and they're working to, deter to determine who died and how. Terrifying moments today on the Alex Fraser Bridge after an armed woman attacked the driver of a moving vehicle. Delta police say it began when the woman, who was the passenger of the vehicle, suffered a mental health crisis. She allegedly attacked the driver with a knife, leaving them with serious injuries. The woman then fled the vehicle after passing motorists stopped to help. She was arrested a short time later, and she and the driver were sent to hospital. This is obviously would have been quite a traumatic event for people to witness. Uh, but we do want to thank those who did stop to render assistance, uh, whether it was to uh, keep track of the suspect or help the uh, victim in this case. And uh, we also want to um, let people know that victim services is being offered to those people who were in the area at the time. A cyclist has died after a serious crash in Maple Ridge this morning. It happened just before 10 a.m. along Dubney Trunk Road near 256th Street. The cyclist, a man in his 50s, was sent to hospital but died of his injuries. Early indications suggest the cause of the crash may be connected to a medical distress incident. The area was closed to traffic for most of the day, but it has since reopened. With the arrival of summer, calls into search and rescue are up more than 50% over the same time last year. The BC Search and Rescue Association says crews responded to 110 callouts in the first two weeks of July. And with the warm weather expected to stick around, the concern is that heavy activity on the trails will continue. While each call puts the volunteer rescuers at risk, the danger is higher during the pandemic as physical distancing can be impossible during a rescue operation. As the weather warms up, our, our members are having to wear uh, personal protective equipment, PPE. And so you can imagine having to wear uh, a mask and carry a stretcher. Uh, it causes a lot more fatigue and, and heat exhaustion than, uh, than before because we're, we're trying to protect the subject and our members. And so uh, every time there's an injury, that just raises the, the risk to everyone. Outdoor enthusiasts are encouraged to go online to adventuresmart.ca to fill out a trip plan. 
Well, the new school year isn't that far off, and BC's pandemic education plan should be coming out in the next few weeks. But one school district has already come up with a creative solution to socially distant learning. Abbotsford's proposal to drastically change the school year schedule and what other districts could learn in just over a minute. A baby born in a train station washroom. How transit police rushed into action when the newborn stopped breathing. Coming up on the news hour. And the blue blob spotted from space that might have you questioning 2020 again. Right now, though, it is still unclear just what school will look like when classes resume in September. But for high school students in Abbotsford, the return to the classroom could be a very different experience. The district is looking at an entirely new way to organize classes, and it's a model that could be adopted more widely. Richard Zussman reports. W.J. Mowat Secondary on the outside looks the way it always has. But when the doors reopen in September, high school as many know it will be much different. We've recognized the stressors that the pandemic has put on students and their families and teachers, and we want to make sure that the system we design uh, is going to make sure that we, we ensure success for everybody. The Abbotsford School District proposing a massive overhaul, getting rid of the semester program, opting for a quadrant timetable, where instead of switching classes every 65 minutes, students focus on one subject in the morning and another in the afternoon for 10 straight weeks. The difference is we're really putting a focus on relationships, on the ideas of social-emotional learning and the opportunity for teachers to serve as facilitators of wraparound care for their kids. There will be four semesters instead of two. It will mean less movement between classrooms, less potential spread of the virus, and more support for students. How can we minimize the amount of things that they have to deal with in our school uh, and really focus not only on the academic, but create opportunities where we can help them um, become socially and emotionally balanced during this time. The question now is whether the Abbotsford model can be applied to high schools like this one across the province. Certainly under discussion, not just in Abbotsford, but other parts of the province. And Look, people ask, what are the innovations? What are the lessons going to be coming out of COVID-19? And, and, and these may be some of them that are, are, in fact, permanent features. The Vancouver School District is currently looking into this model as well. This is the province grapples with a mix of in-class and virtual high school learning for fall. There certainly is an appetite to try uh, some online supplements for in-class instruction, for sure. Uh, the students of an older age are more adaptable to that kind of learning method. When school returned in June, high schools had far fewer kids in the classroom than kindergarten to grade 7. The province is trying to improve that. A full return to school plan is expected in two weeks' time. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria. Just ahead, a ride of relief. They can feel the stress start to, to dissipate. The horses helping frontline workers ease their anxiety during COVID-19. Plus... He started, like, freaking out and panicking. The seven-year-old being called a hero for helping save his friend's life. Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel, two lanes in both directions, so it's not too bad right now, but do keep in mind lane closures both ways for overnight maintenance from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
The pandemic has created a lot of stress and anxiety for everyone, but particularly for frontline workers. And now there's another way to help with their mental well-being, thanks to some therapeutic horses in the Fraser Valley. Linda Ellsworth reports. Meet Rosie. So she, oh, Rosie. <laughs> Clearly this 27-year-old mare is a character, but she's so much more than that. She was uh, nominated and won Therapy Horse of the Year by the Canadian Therapeutic Riding Association. Rosie lives at the Valley Therapeutic Equestrian Association in Langley. It was here that she was introduced to Janet, an ICU nurse feeling the stress of COVID-19 like only a frontline worker can. Seeing everything else that was going on in the world, like New York and Italy and we, we didn't know what to expect, so it was really stressful and scary. It was for people like Janet that Valley Therapeutic recently created the Frontline Heroes program. What we're trying to do is release some energy that's pent up inside these frontliners, and it's negative energy, so we're trying to get them to work that out. Work it out with the help of horses like Rosie. Rosie just stood with me, and I could hug her and pet her and love her, and I felt like there was hope again and that that everything was going to be okay. If you're full of anxiety and and uh, and stress, they tend to draw out the negative energy um, and replace it with positive. The one-hour sessions cost sixty dollars. We are also running a frontliner fundraiser alongside of the program, so that if there's somebody who has a frontliner in mind, they could donate the ride. Or donations can be made to Valley Therapeutic and they'll find a frontline worker who would benefit from the experience, like Janet has. just takes an hour with a horse who looks right into your soul, I think, and so I left a blubbering mess after that. <laughs> but in a good way. In a good way. In a really good way. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. A seven-year-old boy is being called a hero after saving another boy from drowning. He started, like, freaking out and panicking. Okay. It happened last Saturday on Shushwap Lake near Sycamuse. Cody and his friend Adam were playing together on a dock, jumping into the lake and swimming. But Adam, who wasn't wearing a life jacket, got caught in the current in water over his head. That's when Cody, who did have his life jacket on, swam out to his friend. He held him up and calmed him down until adult help arrived. We jumped in and then, uh... I like uh, told him uh, uh, don't panic, and then he stopped panicking, and then uh, and then um, he I just uh, helped him flow, and then my mom came in. After they came over and said thank you to Cody, they said I hope you never forget that you saved his life. And still ahead on the news hour, making a dental appointment even worse. Basically taken advantage of. Just another way to make more money off of us. A BC family outraged about being charged an extra fee to treat their special needs child. Plus the skyrocketing U.S. COVID case count and how the response is dividing the country. Give a shout out. Tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email Heroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News. BC Healthcare Heroes in partnership with Fortis BC, caring for the BC communities where we live and work. Things are starting to look normal again over here at BC Ferries. This is Tawasin Ferry Terminal, where 7 p.m. to Swartz Bay is sold out, but the 9 p.m. still has a little bit of room left. It's 95% full. 6.45 to Southern Gulf Islands is 95% full. The 8.15 to Duke Point is full, and the 10.45 is at three-quarters capacity. 
Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $50 million, plus an estimated two max millions. Lotto Max, stream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Tawasin Ferry Terminal. Did you just give birth? No, no. no. Is this a sheep? Dramatic footage from New Jersey where transit officers rushed to the aid of a woman who'd just given birth in a washroom. After they realized the newborn girl was not breathing, one of the officers began CPR. The baby was rushed to hospital in a police cruiser while one of the officers continued chest compressions. After a few minutes, the baby started showing signs of life and even started crying. Good news at the end of it all, both mom and baby are now doing well in hospital. To the COVID crisis in the U.S., which is still out of control. The country posted its highest daily case count ever on Thursday, with more than 77,000 new cases. That comes amid a clash of opinions on face mask policies and a question about whether some states should roll back their reopenings. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest. The U.S. COVID crisis is growing more dire by the day. The lack of a unifying message at the federal level cited as why. We need to get better control over things. But more than four months in, COVID-19 is proving chaotic in dozens of states. Florida is approaching 330,000 cases, boosted by an increase of 11,000 on Friday. We're not sure exactly if there are any tools left in the toolkit, frankly. Nebraska, Utah and Oregon also shattering daily records. With no national strategy, state and local leaders are left to clash on how to move forward. I'll put our policies up against anyone's any day of the week. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms is pushing for a return to phase one and mandatory masks. But the move has been met with fierce headwinds from the state's governor. We all agree it's good to wear a mask in the right situation. This is about protecting the livelihoods of our citizens. A legal showdown is now underway between the state and the city, but the governor's attempt may be short-sighted. Unpublished data by the Coronavirus Task Force says 18 of the hardest-hit states, which includes Georgia, should scale back reopenings and adopt measures widely called for by health experts. Cloth face coverings are one of the most powerful weapons we have. President Trump's refusal to take health experts' advice has led to a disapproval rating of 61% as the White House now struggles to come up with a new solution. We've been working for the last uh, five or six days on hopefully some some new uh, information. But with so many decisions facing political resistance, few options remain that could prevent a second shutdown in the first wave of this health crisis. Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington. A Fraser Valley family has filed a complaint with the College of Dental Surgeons of B.C. over an extra fee a dentist said she would charge in order to treat the family's autistic son in the future. The behavioral management fee was raised after a recent appointment ended with their son feeling traumatized. Catherine Urquhart has more, including the response from the dentist. I don't think preying on special needs families is fair. David and Katie Kuhn are outraged by how their son Aiden is being treated. The seven-year-old has autism. That's the worst day of my life. An Abbotsford dentist is demanding the family pay a $137 behavior management fee for Aiden's future appointments. This after his last dental visit ended prematurely with plenty of tears when the nitrous oxide proved ineffective. They had reached out to me and said, okay, well, if we're not going to do the NOS, we're not going to sedate him, then we're going to be charging you a behavioral management fee. 
Dentists can charge a management of exceptional patient fee, but it's rare. And on a Facebook group for families with autism, most say they've never even heard of the fee. We did actually uh, file a formal complaint. That complaint was filed with the College of Dental Surgeons of BC, which told Global News... The College of Dental Surgeons of BC does not set or recommend specific fees for dental treatment. The college also said health regulators support every patient and client's right to receive the same access to and quality of care regardless of physical or mental disability. It's wrong. It's unethical as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not just fighting for my son. I'm fighting for the entire special needs community. Aiden's dentist, Dr. Phoebe Sang, told Global News there has been a misunderstanding and she'll be contacting the Coons. Sang says the family's interpretation of the fee code may have deviated from its original intent, adding, Our dentists spend extra time role-playing different steps of dental procedures until the child becomes comfortable. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Up next, the long walk to knighthood. It's been an absolutely magnificent day for me. How Captain Tom became Sir Tom. Plus, Tiger Woods on the inevitable. What the golf great says, says about aging. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6 and 980 CKNW, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, presented in partnership with BCLC. With every play, you're making BC even better. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, we have some breaking news to bring you now. Uh, take a look at this shot from our Global One helicopter. Lots of thick black smoke you can see from Trish Jewison's vantage point. That is a large fire burning right now in Langley. We understand it is burning in Langley Meadows. Uh, this just breaking within the last few minutes. We're hearing that that is a condo building on 56th Avenue. We are still working on getting more details about what's happening there, but you can see a lot of black smoke. Uh, you can see flames from the Global One uh, perspective there. Uh, looks like it's burning uh, um, quite hot right now. Not sure if, from our view if we can see any crews on the scene yet, but we'll continue to gather details and bring you more information on this breaking story of fire. It, we believe in a condo building in Langley Meadows burning right now. Well, it's official. Captain Tom Moore has officially been knighted by the Queen. Moore received his knighthood today at Windsor Castle in a unique physically distant ceremony. The 100-year-old was nominated after he raised millions of dollars for the UK's National Health Service. The war veteran did it by completing 100 laps around his garden before his 100th birthday in April. While other ceremonies to bestow honours have been postponed due to COVID-19, a special exception was made for more. I'm absolutely overawed by the fact that this is such a, a high award that such a get, and from Her Majesty as well. What more can anyone wish for than that? That has been an absolutely magnificent day for me. 
Congratulations, Sir Tom. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon, who uh, is channeling the sun. See, this is the dress you need to wear all the time then, Christy. <laughs> it might get a little dirty, but I'll try, Sophie. <laughs> yes, as long as it can last. This is the Port Moody Inlet today. Sandra sending me this. Just a stunning shot of two people enjoying that. Uh, and this is a great shot from last night. A hand reaching out, pulling the cloud cover away. We did have a few sprinkles this morning, but we did clear. And happy Friday to you all this uh, sunshine is here to stay. Temperatures for today, and you can expect them to increase in the next few days. So near the water, likely mid-20s, but away from the water, close to 30 degrees in some areas. And these areas, low to mid-30s expected in the coming days, with likely Monday being the hottest day over the next few. Now, it's not a strong ridge of high pressure. Rain will push into the north coast region, and we'll still see some cloud cover. So it's not complete sunshine, but we certainly will feel the heat. So a few showers pushing into the caribou and central interior later in the day and maybe a few lingering across Vancouver Island. But for the most part, we're talking about dry conditions. So there's your forecast for your Saturday, everyone. Those areas there, it's really not till the end of the day. Sunshine and heat, again, will slowly climb throughout the weekend with the hottest day being on Monday. For our region, 21 to 25 degrees for Metro Vancouver tomorrow. And yes, up to 30 potentially away from the water on Monday. And I'll leave you with our central windows weather window. I actually have two tonight because I got two photos of dragonflies and they're both stunning. This one from Celine. Thank you so much from Coquitlam. Love the colors there and the dragonfly in that crisp, um, uh, well-focused uh, photo. And this one, I've never seen one like this, but it actually has hair. Reminds me a little bit of a spider. But thank <laughs> oh, no. you so much to Harrison for that one. Okay, well, I have bad eyesight, so I can't see it that well, luckily. <laughs> All right, well, keeping on with that insect theme, as if 2020 hadn't already done enough to us, a swarm of flying ants spotted near London was so thick it was mistaken for rain. The Met Office, the UK's National Weather Service, says their radar showed heavy rain falling over parts of London and southeast England. But what the radar was actually seeing was a huge swarm of flying ants. What's become known as Flying Ant Day is actually an annual phenomenon when the critters take flight to mate on a hot, humid day. <laughs> now over to you, Squire. <laughs> Not easy following flying ant stories. Flying uh, Ant Day, how do you celebrate that? I don't, actually. <laughs> the uh, Canucks are trying to get in game shape by playing games with themselves. Last night was another one of those scrimmages. Oh, Bo Horvat with a nice goal here. We'll take a look at what happened last night and talk about some other stuff as well, of course. Also tonight, our favorite part of Friday, satellite debris still to come. You know, Squire, I can understand what it's like to fall out of your, you know, 100% shape during COVID and then try to get it back, just like the Canucks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you're not in 100% shape No, right maybe 30%. <laughs> really? You've lost 70% that I, much? It's not good, I'm telling wow. you. Wow, okay. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, you may want to join them then for the mm, scrimmages. I don't know. Well, you know, that, the thing about the Canucks and every NHL team, um, a lot of them couldn't skate when they were off during the uh, pandemic pause. So they're just getting back on skates, at least in the last week. Anyway, last night, the uh, Canucks were at Rogers Arena. They did some night work because uh, they're going to train all next week and then leave 
for Edmonton. And then I'll actually have an exhibition game. I should mention I'll have one exhibition game before the tournament begins. That'll be against Winnipeg Jets in the 29th. So last night, as I just mentioned, they had another scrimmage game splitting the teams in half. Let's show you some of the uh, highlights. Well, there's uh, Travis Green actually phoning the pizza place because the winners get pizza, I think. So Team White, Zach McEwen, who played very well before the pause, gets a goal there on uh, Jacob Markstrom, who was not a finalist today for the Vesna Trophy. It's Hellebuck, Rask, and uh, Vasilevsky. Thatcher Demko, nice save off to Foley. The white team won this game, but look at this goal by Chris Tanev. This is like that overtime goal he scored this season. Makes a move on Jake for Tannen and then just beats Markstrom with the shot. 5-2, Team White won it. All right, so after canceling the end of last season during the playoffs and not crowning a champion, the BC Hockey League wants to play next season. But we didn't know until today when next season for them would begin. The BCHL has said all along, without fans, they don't have a season. So they are hoping by the time December 1st comes along, the province will have a strong enough handle on COVID-19 to allow gatherings of more than 50 people. They are hoping to start with 25% capacity at their rinks when the games begin. We don't know how this virus is going to act in the fall flu season. And so what we wanted to do is give it time and, uh, and push our, our season back to make sure that if there is some sort of second wave that we see it coming and, and don't actually get in the middle of it. If they can start December 1st, the BCHL plans on a 46-game schedule, down about a dozen games from a typical regular season. The playoffs will conclude in May. Until then, all teams have the option of running training camps, practices and skill development for the three months leading up to puck drop in December. And for the most part, everyone can't wait to get going. It has been a long break. We're kind of just uh, chomping at the bit, like I'm sure a lot of our uh, people in the community, they're probably excited to, to, for hockey to start and, um, you know, we're, we're there. We're, we're close to having a season start date, so we're just kind of getting everyone here, getting them all trained up and, and, uh, and then hopefully we can start the season. The BCHL is still having conversations with the province looking for financial support to help keep the 20 franchises viable. A season without any hockey would be devastating, but the league has worked diligently to find a solution. You know, we're a very optimistic group. We've had a task force together since March when we shut it down, and, uh, and all we're trying to do is problem solve, and that's going to be our process going forward. We just don't know what's around the corner. Um, but at least we have some clarity for the, the players and their parents as to what we're trying to accomplish. Bryson DeChambeau at the uh, Memorial today went tin cup. So he hits it out of bounds. Then he takes a wood when he probably shouldn't have taken a wood on this lie and hits it out of bounds. Then he decides to do it again. And he does it again. He hits it out of bounds. He ended up taking a 10 on this hole. Oh my gosh. He can hit it a long way, but if he's not straight, he can hit it a long way out of bounds. Tiger Woods had a rough day. His back was bothering him. He did make the cut, though, at plus three. And afterwards, he says, you know what? Getting old is not a lot of fun. Uh, aging is, is not fun. You know, I, you know, early on in my career, I thought it was fantastic because I was getting better and better and better. And uh, now I'm just trying to hold on. <laughs> That's... I feel like we all understand him. Well, after a certain age, we certainly do. Which age is that? 
You don't want to uh, talk about it. Too. I don't want to talk don't about, want to talk that. about it either. It's disturbing <laughs> to talk about that. All right. Let's check in with Andrew and now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And thanks, Sophie. We are now getting a look at the building currently, as you mentioned, Bernie and Langley at this hour. This video taken moments ago of a condo building on fire at the corner of 198th Street and 56th Avenue. A very dramatic scene there. No word yet if there are any injuries. Crews are on scene tackling this massive fire in the smoke. Well, it can be seen for kilometers. The information is still coming in. We will have much more on this developing story when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. Tonight's Salute to Healthcare Heroes is up next, plus satellite debris. Time to recognize tonight's healthcare hero on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. Tonight's nomination comes from Tracy Lynch at Willingdon Creek Village in Powell River. She wants to give a shout out to Robert Falls, who works at the care home. He's been spending his coffee break entertaining the residents. Since the pandemic was declared, musicians have been barred from entering the long-term care home. But Robert, who has some serious piano skills, has been filling that void. Residents line the hallway at 10 a.m. weekday mornings to listen to him play for 15 minutes. The music is bittersweet, though, for residents. They've started a countdown as Robert is retiring at the end of this month. Is he wearing butterfly wings? Uh, staff say they're happy for him, but are sad to see him go. So thank you so much, Robert, for being a healthcare hero for BC and for all those residents during these difficult and unpredictable times. If you have a BC healthcare hero you'd like to see recognized, send us an email to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca along with a few pictures and some details about why they're your hero and we might feature them next. Thank you very much, Robert. All right, it is Friday and satellite debris, Squire. Well, we just heard Tiger Woods uh, lament the fact that he's getting older, his back is sore. He's 44 now, so I thought I'd take him back to slightly younger days and this commercial with Rory McIlroy for Nike. questions? Hmm. Not bad, not bad. Oh, it's gonna be like that, huh? Ah, someone wants to play. He's trying to keep up with the old guy, you know? Dude, is that your real hair? Is that all you got? Go, go. I just can't miss today. Do you ever get days like that? Hey, Tiger, Tiger, you looking? You looking? I won't win this. <laughs> How do you do that? You'll learn. That's when he was improving with age, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. That's when his back was better. Um, okay, so this one, also an old favorite, uh, featuring Kevin Hart, who is a father in this one. Oh, you look good. Thank you. Hey! See the guy taking my little girl out, huh? Yep. Huh. You know what, why don't you go ahead and take my new car? Thanks, Pops. Go ahead, baby. 
watch this. <laughs> Boom! Favorite spot? Favorite girl. Are you ready? Hey, I'm ready this! You messed it with the wrong daddy! I'm taking you home. Why? Car Finder on the Hyundai Genesis. Back so soon? Here you go, sir. Because a dad's gotta do what a dad's gotta do. Honey, what'd you guys do tonight? <laughs> Shorten things up a bit today because of what's going on in Langley. Breaking news. But of course, also, Christy, this is your first time back in the studio so you can see satellite. Today. I know. It's been, I've been missing it. <laughs> I know. You, didn't, you couldn't see it before, right? I could only hear it, but uh. it was okay. I was laughing along with you guys. Was it funny, like just the audio? <laughs> was that funny enough for you? Sometimes, no, no. Most times I just really didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> I remember you asked me about it one time when we came out and I was like, um, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, that breaking news, I'm just going to give you a quick update. Let's take another look at that building currently burning in Langley right now. Uh, this video was shot just moments ago from our Global One helicopter. It's a condo building that is on fire at the corner of 198th Street and 56th Avenue. We don't have any word on injuries at this point uh, or you know, many details yeah. about the condo building itself, whether it's an under construction building. But uh, from the video that we've seen and from the photos that we've seen, it looks like it is or was an occupied building. Obviously, crews are on scene there, but you're going to be able to see that black smoke from quite a distance. I think even our tower cams in Vancouver were able to see uh, some of that smoke from Langley. So uh, as you saw, fire crews are on the scene. Uh, we will be covering this. We'll bring you the latest updates on BC1 and online and tonight on Global News at 11. That's it for us tonight. Have a great evening and a great weekend.